or is that just tedious if I go, I'm here with Nick. What's up? Conlon. Hello. Yeah, you can't just wave your hand. <laughs> I said hello. <laughs> I know. I'm just... <laughs> Open wide for some soccer! Hi, welcome to another soccer group chat. Uh, this is Adrian, and I'm here with Nick. Hello. Conlon. Good to be back. And Hope. Gentlemen. Great. And in case you missed it, um, Messi scored his 644th goal, which uh, to most of us would put him as the all-time leading scorer for a single club uh, ahead of Pele's 643. Unless you ask Santos, in which case Messi is a mere 447 behind. Uh, did you guys hear about this? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no? What so is San- this? Santos is saying, no, every single friendly that Pele played should count. <laughs> They played it with the real rules. They played it with real refs. They played it with real uniforms, real balls. Everything was real. Um, so just because it was a bunch against a, a, against a bunch of guys from Suriname doesn't mean that it shouldn't count. Uh, so they are literally the only people in the world who are, are against this record. Um, but we thought it would be fun to do a, a little messy sode uh, just to commem- commemorate this, uh, this achievement. Yeah, I was going to ask, is it's only Santos fans and Santos club who really are opposing this record? or Because I'd have to side with the rest of the world on this one. Yeah, I think as far as I know, it's just Santos. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone's going to question how good Pele was just because <laughs> just because he lost this one record. <laughs> like, uh, But, you know, I guess they just want to like fight for the honor of Brazilian football. Um, so like not not to be disrespectful about this because uh this is something i should know um is paley still alive yeah yes okay so he's killing the game and he hasn't come out and said anything against this it's just santos i mean yeah. as far as i know i also okay. i don't know if that's paley's style he seems he, he seems comes out chill. and always tries to put himself in the conversation for good reason but he'd be i think he'd be very apt to talk about it and why he's better than messi or what have you Again, nothing against him. He has every right, but. Yeah, maybe. I mean, a lot of that fire was from like Maradona. Like they, they never seemed to, to really get along. And this, um, this kind of goes back to the whole Maradona thing too, where it's like, I never really saw Pele play, but I've seen Messi play a significant amount. So obviously I'm biased as to who I prefer and who I think is better. And I think most of our kind of generation probably is. Just because, and Pele was too, like, it, it kind of makes sense with the Santos thing because he stayed there his whole career and it's just kind of obscure. Whereas Messi was Barcelona, which is kind of one of, if not the biggest clubs in the world. Sorry, Conlon. Yeah, it's, it's almost a thing where it's like, um, like they're just trying to, I feel like, like, one, I think it comes from the fact that it's like that Brazilian-Argentine rivalry. Uh, like, you know what I mean? And and on top of the fact that, like, like you said, like, we watch Lionel Messi. We've seen Lionel Messi play from from having, like, nasty, long, greasy hair to having a crop and a, and a sleeve tattoo. Uh, so it's just recency bias for us. But I think Santos is also coming out here trying to, like, protect the legend of their player. Like, we haven't, like, nobody's seen him play. And, like, what will, what will Messi overtaking Pele do for their... Uh, for their mass marketing of pay, uh, 
of Pele. You know what I mean? Is he is he going to have a lower rated card in FIFA now uh, compared to Lionel Messi? Um, I understand why they want to fight for him. I, I think I think going out and saying that oh he he got 400 extra goals against Tunisia, refereed by a Korean ref and a friendly. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. At, at that point, I think you have to really just respect that athletes go out and try to beat records. And it's, it's the standard set by these old guys uh, that makes these new guys so great. Uh, nothing against Pele, more against Santos for their, for yeah. their uh, disruption of that. Yeah, and I completely agree that records are meant to be broken. But if we take the Santos logic... Don't we have to apply that to every single other player that plays? Because even now they play friendlies, like with Adrian said, with real players, real refs, real balls, real shoes, everything that Adrian mentioned. So does that mean that we have to count all of Messi's friendly goals too? Do we have to count all of Ronaldo's friendly goals? Do we count Maradona's friendly goals? So it's kind of like a double standard here that I I, I don't think I, we should probably acknowledge. It's also funny because you have like... Uh... Leicester, when they celebrated like Jamie Vardy's 100th competitive goal, I think they like discounted a few Community Shield goals or something like that. So was it? No. Now that I'm saying that, I'm like, when did Les? When would? Oh, when they won the title. Okay, sorry, I had a, a little <laughs> root there. So yeah, they just were like not counting that. Which, as far as friendlies go, uh, is is pretty much, you know the. Champions League final of friendlies. There's there's silverware silverware involved. There's tradition behind it. Uh, what what were you going to say, Conlon? Uh, I was sort of following up on what Nick was saying. If we're going by the friendly logic, I think there would have been about a five year period where Tom Cleverly would have been one of our most effective <laughs> players. Because I him like knocking in goals against you know LA Galaxy or I guess Minnesota wouldn't have existed. Some other MLS teams. So yeah, I think if you take all the friendly goals that. Messi would have scored for Barcelona. I don't know if it would have put him ahead of Paley's friendlies, but it's got to be fairly close. If you're just joining us for the first time, Conlon's a Manchester United fan. Um, oh, God. Uh, which is the only reason why someone would bring up Tom Cleverly in a conversation about Pele <laughs> and Leo Messi. <laughs> Give the man think, some respect. I think we've got a new listener. That's a good pitch. Tom Cleverly. Do you want to hear your name? <laughs> Maradona. Here's the title for the episode, maybe Nick. Maradona, Pele, Messi, Tom, Tom Cleverly. Cleverly. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's another notable thing about this uh, 644 goals. Um, uh, Messi actually sent uh, beers to every single keeper. I think it was 160 different keepers that he scored these goals against. Yeah, so Messi has uh, a promotion, I guess. He has a partnership with Budweiser. And to commemorate his record, Budweiser combed through every single goal that Messi scored, somehow found every single goalie that he scored against, which I'm sure some are, you know, in hiding. Some are probably obscure. Some probably vanished off the face of the earth like some athletes do. And they sent each athlete, each goalie, a Budweiser bottle with a, a label with the number corresponding to the goal that Messi scored against them. So uh, a pretty amazing promotion, all things considered. Uh, whoever is running the Budweiser marketing team and that deserves a, a trophy of his own or her own for that uh, that feat. Yeah, could you imagine losing to Barcelona in the Champions League final as a keeper? One of your worst moments, and then someone sends you a fucking Budweiser just to really <laughs> rub it in. 
But you can't even drink the thing. So this <laughs> is losing it though. Well, I guess I guess like the silver lining is that like it's one of those collectible things. So maybe like you don't want to drink it because it's you know it has sentimental value. So I guess that's kind of like a silver lining to it. I think there's such a there's such a benefit to the fact that like at least they sent it out to keepers. You know what I mean? Like keepers being a goalkeeper is so thankless. Like no one cares if a goalkeeper is doing well or however however many shots they saved against X Y Z player. Like at least it's the keepers who can take a joke about it. Could you imagine if they sent Sergio Ramos twenty one <laughs> Budweiser? <laughs> <laughs> a full two four, like just a full two four. He'd storm La Masia, take out every child Star Wars style, <laughs> and they just punish them, killing they younglings. Get... <laughs> Tracked out every every time uh, Ramos like shamelessly tore Messi down. <laughs> There's like a compilation of that on YouTube. I think you can find of him oh, just like like football tackling Messi in different back. You know, going back to the days when when he too had long greasy hair. Wasn't um, he a right back or something as well? He wasn't yeah. always even a center back. Yeah, and then he got he got switched over. Um, I think obviously, if you're going to talk about Messi, uh, you have to talk about Ronaldo a little bit. So, if Ronaldo sets a similar record, what kind of item or or beverage do you think he would send out to the keepers of the world? You guys think Ronaldo's ever drank a beer in his life? <laughs> I can't see it. He definitely send out a shirtless photo of himself. Yeah. To everyone. <laughs> yeah. Or like some, everyone gets a custom like pull up bar that you put over the door. It's like yeah, work Ren- hard. Ronaldo's the guy that goes to the bar and buys a beer just to raise it every single time the boys are raising a glass and then just puts it down when he's done and leaves without anybody lucky. He's not interested in this nonsense. <laughs> but his, Ronaldo looks in the mirror and like, this is the brand. I do not need Budweiser. <laughs> 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 it's true he's like that'll only dilute things we don't need that yeah uh, what is the most expensive like beer alcohol brand in the world and maybe ronaldo would consider putting his name beside it um yeah it seems like budweiser is kind of too cheap for him it's not glamorous enough his would be like patron or like gray goose vodka something really kind of more bougie a you just fine get like the- Portuguese vintage. The documentary was, I want to say about him was half of it, just him and Mendez giving toast with wine, not drinking it, but just talking about how great they were and how great everything is. So it seems pretty on brand to him. So, so expect a bottle of wine if you've ever played against Cristiano Ronaldo uh, in net. Um, going back to See, do you guys have like a favorite goal or or messy moment uh, that we could share? I've already thought of mine. So. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, if you guys want, I can kick this off because I, I have a good one. Yeah, and go I'm ahead so and start happy. with yours because mine's almost half yeah. negative about Messi. So go on. <laughs> so uh, I love this question, and I love that Adrian brought this up right before the podcast because I kind of think it kind of speaks to like how amazing this moment was for me personally and how well it sticks out of my brain that I instantly remembered it. And it's one of those, it's one of those goals that he scored that just occasionally pops up on your Twitter feed or on the Reddit, you know, Reddit soccer, uh, even still to this day. And every time I I watch the whole, uh, the whole clip through, 
because it was just so fantastic and so out of nowhere. Uh, so as our listeners might not know, but as the guests know, uh, I used to do highlights at Sportsnet. And when I was new, I did a lot of soccer. And it was a Sunday. And I was really excited to go in and watch football. And I went in there and was really disappointed to see that I they gave me the Copa del Rey final, which was uh, Barcelona versus Athletic Bilbao. And uh, of course, I was disappointed, but, you know, it is what it is. You're new. Get to watch Messi. And I remember sitting in the corner of Sportsnet, like, by myself, while everyone's, like, glued to football going on. I'm just completely enraptured by this Copa del Rey final game. And Messi proceeds to score one of the greatest goals that I had ever seen. He picked up the ball at the halfway line, uh, you know, sprinted up. Rounded one guy, split the defenders, cut into the box, beat another defender and curled a low shot. I think it was into the, the near post and wheeled away in celebration. Still going. Look at this, Kevin. It's a brilliant run from Messi. Did he go all the way? It's one of the great Copa del Rey final goals from the magical, mercurial Lionel Messi. He's just unbelievable. Hard do you stop him? He's just incredible. I don't think we've ever seen or ever will see anything like Lionel Messi again. I was like going crazy by myself in the corner about this uh, Copa del Rey final goal while everyone was, uh, you know, betting on football games and losing parlays and all that kind of stuff over in the rest of the room. Uh, so that was a top moment for me. One One of the ones I really like is, well, I'll start here, like, I think one day I was just like down in the dumps about something, just like a regular kind of like bad day sort of situation. And I was probably just sitting alone in my room and I was like, you know, how can I make this day better? And I think what I did is I went to YouTube and I Googled, well, I searched um, 2018 World Cup Messi versus Nigeria because he scored that goal where it was like a really long crossfield ball. And he just takes it down on his, on his like thigh, like the outside of his thigh or something. And then like in stride, like doesn't break a stride. And you can see the defender sort of instinctually adjusts thinking like, again, just instinctually thinking like this guy has to break stride to, to properly control this pass, but he just keeps going like gracefully kind of strides past the defender and just slides it in um, to the bottom corner. To Banniger, brilliant ball from Banniger. Is this the opener? Yes, it is! That's what they came to see. And he's provided the touch as the arms are reached up to the gods. Argentina have got what they wanted. It was a fabulous ball from Banniger and a stylish finish which Maradona himself would have been proud of. He's saying his prayers. Argentina's prayers have just been answered by the little man. The name is Messi. And just one of those goals where it's like, it's just like absolutely perfect. Not maybe the most spectacular, but just like sublime. So it's a, it's a real pick-me-up. If you're having a bad day listening to this, uh, <laughs> I hope we're not making it worse. But also, listen, uh, uh, go to YouTube and search that goal because it's a, it's a real peachy gather, as we like to say here. <laughs> I remember that. Uh, that was amazing. Uh, if I can jump in there, I guess uh, I guess I can talk about my favorite messy moment. I was just thinking. I was just thinking back to like the uh, 
all those Budweiser's given out and the amount of goalkeepers. Like, I was looking at the list of goalkeepers that he scored on. Like, he scored 21 on Diego Alves. He had 17 goals against Iker Casillas. Like, he's had 11 goals on Claudio Bravo, 10 goals on Jan Oblak. And that's through, like, who knows how many competitions, uh, however many matchups. And it's so rare that you see Lionel Messi struggle. Um, unless you have, like, someone incredible in goal, like Petr Cech, who Messi has faced 10 times, Cech in two different shirts, Arsenal and Chelsea, and it took him 10 attempts to score on Petr Cech. You know, it was always a point of pride uh, that, you know, Messi can get by anyone, but he couldn't score against Petr Cech in, nine, in eight games. Uh, so I remember in, like, 2016, it was, like, the round of 16, something like that. I was like, oh, Arsenal have a chance because Lionel Messi is facing better check. You know, it's just that nonsense logic that informs you when you're watching, uh, when you're watching games and you have no one that you're really cheering for. And, you know, I just felt really proud for Lionel Messi, just this tiny man who struggles to score against one of the greatest goalkeepers on time of all time, finally get his shot against better check wide open Arsenal defending like garbage, sending three defenders to the wing which opens up the, the middle for Lionel Messi just for, for the easiest tap-in you've ever seen in his life. And I think that really, I think that really opened things up for his career and uh, made him really notable in the football world. And it, it, just, it just got the monkey off his back. I think that's what set him off, uh, especially to really beat Pele's record, is to finally get past Petr Cech. Uh, and it's just like Arsenal to get Chelsea's players and just not utilize them properly at all. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah, I think. Uh, Beautiful. I moments. mean, w- without that goal, he wouldn't have. He wouldn't have broken the record. So every goal matters. Yeah, that goal and possibly the other four hundred and forty goals. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Conlon, uh, am, am I right in guessing that that your favorite messy moment would be from the year two thousand nine? Uh, nope, don't recall that. Uh... <laughs> I do just as a quick aside, I do remember watching him, especially in 2011. And it, it was one of those, it was a close game and a half, but Barcelona in general and just Messi, it was just so much better. It was, one of those, it, it was never really a contest, even if it was close, but that would definitely not be my favorite Messi moment. Um, my favorite's actually not a goal, it's an assist, but I was lucky enough to see Messi play in Copa America back in 2016. That was when they had the special anniversary edition in the U.S. So I went down to Massachusetts. They were supposed to be playing Uruguay, but Uruguay shit the bed. So it was against a, a decently strong, at that time, Venezuelan team with uh, Rondon. And that's cool. But, um, basically, Messi was on our side of the field. And I'd always been a bit biased to Ronaldo. I thought he could you know, take the game by the scruff of the neck a little bit more than Messi. And for the first 20 minutes, Messi is just kind of strolling around, doing nothing, just watching the game. And then all of a sudden, in, like, in, ju- in a flash, he makes one movement, gets a ball, puts a through ball to Iguain to perfectly set him up where even Iguain in an Argentina shirt couldn't miss it. <laughs> and it was just the perfect play. He knew exactly where the defense were and how to get through them. I can't remember who actually passed it to Messi, but it was, it was over in about five seconds. It was just this perfect little move, perfect pass. And I think just, yeah, watch, he doesn't waste a single movement. 
And I think that was the most impressive thing. It's like, oh, there's no need to run around. Like I've, I love Wayne Rooney, for example, but he, he tell he gets frustrated, runs around like a maniac half the time. Um, try to win the ball back. Messi would just stay in his area, watch the game, learn, and then take advantage of the first chance they give him. And then I think they end up winning 4-1. But just to have – I never thought I'd actually be able to see a player like Messi or even Ronaldo because in person. But, yeah, definitely sort of changed my view on him. Not that I didn't rate him before, but it's uh, it's a different thing to actually see him when he's off the ball the whole time. It was like having a Messi cam on our side. I was going to ask, are you the only one of us who's actually seen Messi play live? I assume so, unless there was like a friendly or something. No, I, I think you are. But of course, there is a chance that he might be playing in the U.S. a little more regularly. He wants to join, uh, is it Suarez at Inter Miami or is it somewhere else? I saw, I saw something about that the other day. Makes sense. I mean, I don't know what, uh, I don't know what papers are from. You don't, you know how many, you know, uh, magazines uh, put out names section. and you never know. gossip sections, but I mean, I mean, in my head, in my head, like Inter Miami is probably like the place to go. I mean, or LA, Florida has it. Yeah. But like Florida, Florida, especially around the, I guess they're, they don't even really play out of Miami. Actually, they play closer to um, Fort Lauderdale. Uh, Fort Lauderdale, that's what it's called. Yeah. They play closer to Fort Lauderdale, but there's a really big Argentine population in that area of Florida. Oh. He would be absolutely massive. Probably the only area that can probably challenge uh, the Mexican population and fandom in the United States for against teams like Los Angeles. So it would be absolutely massive if he was there. Do I think it's going to happen? I don't know. How much money does Inter Miami have? I mean, we do know that he's not going to go to like Kansas City or yeah. or Columbus Toronto. or Toronto. <laughs> yeah, probably not us. Um, but it, it would be great to see him. I think you're right. Like Beckham would probably have to dip into his own pocket to make up his wages. Yeah, I'm not sure how the MLS like salary. I know they have a salary cap and they have, so you, you know, the, the DP yeah. spots and everything. So I think he would definitely take... He, I mean, by that point, he'd be like probably 37, 38. So it makes sense that you take a pay cut. But I, I mean, the sponsorship deal money that he would rake in. And again, like that man could earn $0 for the rest of his life and, you know, survive until he's 650. So like, I don't know. I don't know if necessarily it's the money. And like these guys come over and just want, you know, have a walk in the park. So. So if we're talking money here, the highest played paid sorry the highest paid player in the mls right now is already on inter miami gonzalo Iguain is paid 8.8 million dollars a year uh second place is javier hernandez your boy conlin little terrible 7.2 million dollars a year i think he has one goal this season and they're going to transfer him out Uh, and the number three is our very own king and captain from toronto fc former captain of the united states men's national team and now naturalized canadian michael bradley at 6.5 million dollars a year uh so to think that that is those are designated player slots in mls salaries and you know i'm gonna be honest i don't think Messi suddenly for 8.8 million dollars a year (laughs) yeah double that also, this is like off topic, and 
and maybe strange, but like Conley, you don't, you don't like Chicharito? No, you, you're I, not a fan I, of Little P. I love him, but uh, he he's not good anymore. I guess would be the easiest <laughs> way to say it. It's it's one of those. I I always thought for the last few seasons as he was kind of starting to struggle maybe a little bit in Europe I always thought he should go to LA Galaxy it's he's gonna have so many fans he'll be super popular and he'll be good enough to knock the goals in but I I can't really speak to it I haven't seen him play for MLS for uh, Galaxy I just know he's not been good but like I I don't understand it because it's one of those things like it's not like he forgot where the six-yard box is. Like getting in position to tap the ball in or to be in the right space at the right time shouldn't have completely deserted him, especially with maybe less stringent defending than he's used to. But I, I can't speak to why he's been shit. I just know he has been. But uh, I, I enjoyed him at uh, United, especially for that one goal, I think, against Chelsea where hit it up to his own face as he's falling down and had it go in. And that would count. I would count that goal, even though it was in the Community Shield. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> uh, so sorry, I just brought up the numbers myself here, just because I want to look up Messi's current salary. Um, in in British pounds, Lionel Messi makes 26 million a year, converted to. Now that's less than you know some NBA players, but that's still quite a bit talking about something like football uh, compared to converted to us dollars. That's about 35 million us dollars um, per, per year compared to Gonzalo Higuain's number being number one at 8.8 million. That's eight, a lot more. My math's not great anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> is a lot more than that. I think $35 million is more than some pe- some team's salary. hundred percent. I'm pretty sure, yeah, pretty sure. Like well over. So it'd have to be uh, endorsements. It'd have yeah. to be something about endorsements and possibly something about ownership. It oh. could definitely, we could definitely see a Jackie Moon situation uh, for <laughs> Lionel Messi uh, playing for Inter Miami FC and then uh, singing Love Me Sexy at halftime. I would also love, I don't know about you guys, but I would also love to see a super team of just like washed. Messi and Suarez and Iguain, just like, like they're kind of Florida, like kind of have like the beer bellies going a bit, <laughs> like that amazing, you know, like uh, team from XTSC that just like they're just you know slightly out of shape, but they're still better than you and they're still faster than you and they're way more technical and they walk around and just like, you know, feed each other these like peachy gathers amazing balls, just k- killing everyone like seven nothing. Imagine just going down to BMO and, and it's like minus five in December and like Messi and, and Iguain and Suarez are strolling out there just ready to just kill you. That'd be amazing. You just described watching th- having three uh, Dimitar Berbatovs on the same team <laughs> on the field at the same time. You're I saying Dimitar Berbatov <laughs> could have made a lifetime killing in the MLS. <laughs> yeah, it's going. It's going to be amazing. Like the MLS defenders aren't going to know what to do. Even if Messi's 45, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be incredible. I can't wait. Yeah, I mean, hopefully one day he would come. That'd be amazing to have a chance to see him. Um, but he also said in the past that he wants to go back to Rosario. So. Or is it old? Anyway, is it Rosario? Old, I think it's old boys. It's it? old boys. Maybe he wants to do both. Who knows? <laughs> I'm not going to tell Lionel anything. So he's got, he wants to go maybe to the U.S. 
he wants to go back to his his uh, hometown club. Where might he go in the meantime? He's 33. He's still probably able to operate um, at, at the very height of of the game. So so where could he go this year? When of course his contracts run down at Barcelona and they are trying to uh, lighten their their wage load. I get the sense you moving into the transfer talk, but there's one messy moment that I want to mention just before we move on that we all somehow didn't mention. That sticks out in my mind. Just one more thing. I don't know if you guys remember this. It was his goal against Bayern Munich. Do I have to say mm. any more? Uh, <laughs> I was going to say it. I was going to say that as a more positive uh, one to what I had said. But yeah, go on, please. Just just the way that it just sticks out of my mind. It's kind of like a gif playing on loop in my brain of just him completely ankling Boateng and just eating his soul. And I've never seen a man, I've never or a tree for that matter, fall in such a directly <laughs> hilarious manner. And here he is again. Here he is again. That's astonishing. Oh. It's absolutely world class. He's taken them apart. Only football can make you feel like this. Incredible. It's incredible to do that. I mean, he puts Boateng in a terrible place in his backside. And to think Manuel Neuer, who stands tall, as you'd expect. It's amazing. It's brilliant. And you do feel blessed to be in the stadium to watch it. He literally, the top of his body like rotates and then his legs sort of just decide like, I can't, I can't go with you. So he just topples. An incredible meme of a moment. And, and just the fact too, that it was, you know, it wasn't just, it wasn't an MLS defender we're talking about here. We're talking about Jerome Boateng, who at that point was uh, probably one of the better, better defenders in the world at that point. I'll just always remember the clip. I mean, like, especially Conlon, I remember when he was talking about uh, his favorite Messi moment. He's just talking about, like, oh, Messi has no wasted movement. In that clip, yeah, he absolutely ankles Jerome Boateng. But, like, Lionel Messi was at no advantage at all. He had Jerome Boateng in front of him. There were two other Bayern Munich players supporting Boateng. All Boateng had to do was force him to the near post with him, and instead he falls down. Just opening it up completely. I've never seen a man go down like that. I, he's been working his way since then to try and get some semblance of respect. Back. Yeah, because every time you see the name Jerome Boateng, what pops in your mind immediately? It's just a picture of him turning into a statue and just you know falling from a balcony. Just and yeah. it's 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 insane. And then the way he also just like dinked the ball over Manuel Neuer of of all people too, right at the end of that. I can't believe yeah. none of us said that. It embarrasses like two World Cup winners in one move. And and when he's going past Boateng, he doesn't even really do anything. He just sort of <laughs> turns sharply and Boateng's body ceases to function. He just becomes like catatonic for a moment and like, or narcoleptic. He just falls down. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful. It's like, it's yeah, like it's one weird. of those moments where you're like, yeah, Messi is true. Really, just like like the kid who was better than everyone else at your high school, like he yeah. just makes everyone else look bad. Yeah, you know, half of that is just like Boateng having the fear of Messi in his mind of what Messi might do to him <laughs> before. Like somewhere in his brain, it's like that that primal defense function. <laughs> it's like danger is in front of me. I just need to play dead, <laughs> and I'll be safe. <laughs> 
It's the fight or flight instinct. And he chose to just collapse. There was just another level of that instinct that science had not prepared for. And well, uh, well they've introduced it's fight, fight, uh, flight, fight, or fawn. And, and I think <laughs> now that we've added fawn, we can, we can fully grasp what, what happened in that moment. Yeah. Um, I feel like he just did anything he could do to not get nutmegged. <laughs> So like, right, I'm going to put my legs together and I realize like, oh God, I can't, I can't actually stand up when my body's going a completely different way. I but like this. He didn't get nutmeg too. So, so it's I either like he... a Darwinian thing or it's like a Looney Tunes thing where he, he got tied up in a circle and then just like would look at the camera, his eyes go wide and he just falls over with that like slide whistle sound. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, meet me. I'm going to chip Neuer. So. Um. So maybe maybe he'll go to Bayern and they can have a reunion. Oh my god, <laughs> he could do it every day in training. Yeah, that, that'd be a hell of a team for him to go to. Honestly, like uh, the nice thing about Messi, if he's I, like I think everyone's just counting down the days till he leaves Barcelona, right? Um, but like the nice thing about him is like he's an icon. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he is he is LeBron James. Like he is not shackled by the money. He is not shackled by the endorsements. Like those people are are are, are waiting on him. Uh, so I know there's all this talk like, oh, well, wouldn't it make sense for him to go to Manchester City to play with Pep Guardiola again? Um, but, you know, he's already done that. <laughs> you know, why, like, why does he have to do that again? Like, what he can pursue absolutely anything he wants. I think that's what's so exciting about seeing seeing this icon possibly likely leave. He can, he can take his talents to any beach he wants. <laughs> yeah, if I can expand the question then, let's talk about it, not where he might go or, or could go, because we know that there's only a handful of teams that are actually like rich enough. Let's open the question. So like money's not an issue. Is, is there any team that, that would pass on Messi, do you think? Like he's getting older and he can't like press as um, tenaciously. Is there any club that would say, no, he's going to disrupt the balance of the team. Or is it just like, anyone, if they have enough money, would take him? Yeah. Putting yeah. So, like, anyone passing for non-financial reasons, basically. Yeah. Or, or if he was going to go to, say, like, another team like, like Bayern, like, how would, how would you change the Bayern team to accommodate him? I mean, I don't – I think if Lionel Messi washes up on your shores, you're not passing him up no matter what team you are, no matter how many good players you already have. I don't think he'd really fit into the Burnley game plan, if I'm being perfectly honest. <laughs> yeah, so that, Adrian, that's where I thought you were going to go with that question. Like, if there was any team, if you, if any team could sign Messi, like, if he could go to any team, what team would you want to see him go to? Uh, no financial obligations. You know, you don't have to, like, any, every team could afford his wages, if there's one dream team where you wanted to see Messi play, what team would it be? And you, you can't say your own team. Cause obviously, you know, as, <laughs> as much as I like Dwight Gale, <laughs> uh, I'd rather see, see Messi. The Newcastle thing is interesting to me because if they get that takeover, there's like, no way in hell, like it doesn't matter if they have a takeover, like they'd have to, I, I couldn't imagine why he would go there. Okay. <laughs> you, as, you'd have to raise the land completely and then build up everything not in Messi's favor but in Messi's wife's favor of what she wants to go out and see in Newcastle as no someone, okay okay as we'll take the gone. angel of the north the big statue the, okay it's like a monument to coal miners and we'll change it to whatever you want I have a question as someone who's not 
as familiar with uh, the geopolitical landscape of England and, you know, the, the geography and how nice the towns are. Like, so if you're messy, like, what's the difference between playing in Newcastle or playing in Manchester? Because from what I hear and what I know, both towns are not to offend all of our listeners that are from Newcastle and Manchester, but I will stop there. Well, I mean, they're, they're both, I don't know anything about Manchester, but I've been to Newcastle. Um, it, it's, it's nice, but it's not like if you're, if you're like a, if you've lived in Barcelona for your, basically your entire life, <laughs> moving to Newcastle is a big culture shock. <laughs> it's much smaller. Uh, it's much colder. It's much cloudier. The people are much more intoxicated. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's a big difference um, yeah. and I assume it'd be similar for Manchester um, the, I think the big appeal of those those two cities is just that like they're, they're such big football places there's so much story there and, and the fans are uh, I'll say particularly in Newcastle so so rabid and devoted yeah. Uh, that that you would get an experience there, but Messi's had that. He's had the Camp New, right? So as, as great as St James's Park is, it's fifty thousand people less, so it's not going to blow him away the same way it would blow away uh, other players. Yeah, I think for I think for uh, Messi, when I think about, it, you know, we said not our club, so obviously I won't say uh, that I'd want him at Chelsea. Of course I would, but um, you have to think someone at his level, like he's not just a football player anymore. He's 33 years old. He's a family man. And like, he's a socialite. Like he's an icon. Like people are get, flying him in and out of places to, uh, to do promotions and commercials. And, and in England, is there a place other than London? Like, like I can't think of a spot you might know better, Adrian, a, a place that's as metropolitan and as accessible and, uh, has all the opportunity that London has, uh, to any other city in, in the country. And so if it's not, <laughs> if it's not, uh, if it's not London, I don't know where else it could be in England. Yeah, I, I do agree with uh, Christian there that it's just, I can't see him going. Like I know the pep connection. I just can't see him really trading the paella for the pies up North. <laughs> but I, if he goes to London, I could, like basically London or Paris, Milan, maybe. Could be an interesting. Italy's, Italy's an interesting, interesting shout, yeah. Italy's a super interesting spot because, like, Italy is exactly that kind of. We had Adian on the show not long ago, and he he brought it up best. Italy is a slower game. It's a more methodical game. It's nowhere. It's not less talented by any means. I think, um, but it's just a place where older players can shine through their technical skill and just through just through the the environment of tactics in that country. Um, I mean, that's why we saw Ronaldo go there. You know, he can, he can go to Juve and he can be, he can be as maybe not as stunning as he was in his younger days in Real Madrid. But like, could you imagine Ronaldo having to run against, you know, these, these giants of defenders in the Premier League, these fullbacks that can cover a hundred yards in how many seconds? Like they don't want to do that. The big clubs in Italy still have all that history and that prestige. So it, it was not like it'd be one of those, sorry, no, no offense, Adrian, um, like going to, a club like Newcastle or something where it's maybe you he's he's the best or one of the best we can get into that some other time 
And he would want to be associated with a club that is one of the best, even if they maybe haven't been as such in recent years. So I think somewhere like Milan or Inter, maybe more so Milan right now could be interesting. I don't necessarily think he'll go there, but. Yeah, he has been like linked to Inter in particular. uh, The idea of like Martinez going the other way. And yeah, like I could see Inter, they, they are pretty established. They've been up near the top for a couple of years now. Milan have just sort of re, like resurrected and are back up there. But if we're going to talk about teams, any team that he could go to, uh, let's. I, th- I think this is one you'll all agree with. You would love to see, even if it's not something that would ever in a million years happen. But who knows? I mean, we're talking about new ownership. Messi to Sunderland. That's what I would want. I mean, I feel like it would make my dad very happy. He's a Sunderland supporter. Dave, if there's one thing Sunderland has had a problem with over their their couple, their you know their two three seasons in League One, they get a lot of one one draws. And you know, Messi's the kind of player that can turn those into wins and get them back to the championship. Um, I've, I've got to add on top. Um, Sunderland has had two seasons of a Netflix documentary that paints them in just a fantastic light in yeah. terms of operations. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, I think uh, it'll always stick in my mind the the scene of the scouting room uh, as the strap the the cash strapped uh, Sunderland always are. A scout comes in with a list of players that they can grab, and at the top of his list is Latan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> <laughs> That was amazing. Uh, So all that tells me is that, you know, X amount of hours that I've put into FIFA qualifies me to at least be on Sunderland scouting staff. (laughs) Why Messi wouldn't want to join that, I don't know. They have those 23-year-old owners. Oh, he's 22. $2 billion trust fund or something, or pounds. I don't know. It could be interesting if he could lure him there. That'd be amazing. You'd have I mean, to give him half of it. As much of the allure of playing like Fleetwood Town away is right now, I think you might have to wait a couple of years before Sunderland's enough to attract him. Messi to Sunderland. That's what we all have our, our fingers crossed for. Does anyone, do we have other transfers that we would like to see? Realistic or unrealistic? Uh, as long as it's interesting, hit us up. What, what do you want to see your team or another team do this January? Seeing as January is a few days away, I can I can tell you one thing I don't want to see at least right now, if I'm allowed to. I I'll allow it. We need Wilf to stay. <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I that's do, fine. You know, that's I, perfectly I, valid. I know that uh, you know it's a very unpredictable transfer non-transfer for me to say i'm sorry for throwing you guys off the tr- the scent a bit uh me talking about palace uh you know i can understand how it's a bit out of left field um and how i ankled you guys like how messy ankled boateng that time but i mean I, as much as like as much as i think he deserves to go and uh as much as palace's performance recently kind of encapsulate the fact that uh maybe that team is not heading in a direction that uh he probably wants to go in uh just for my own sanity and the sanity of everyone else in south london i think uh it's best for him to stay at least until the summer and see us through another uh season of you know 14th 17th 
place finish. Uh, yeah, that that's the one I don't want to see. At least uh, he needs to stay long enough to get that cameo on Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. Please. <laughs> Conlon, what about you? I, I mean, like realistically, I'd love to see United by a center back, but we could talk all day about whatever latest center back they're linking the team we have plenty the of center backs at chelsea available for you <laughs> should you come knocking uh, jesus as soon as i saw rudiger and christensen starting uh yeah dumb match, and, dumb and dumber be, uh, i call them trouble i would like to see phil jones go to derby and be managed by wayne rooney that was my favorite rumor I've seen recently because that man's just been – I can't remember the last time he played a game. He's not even on our Premier League squad. But Wayne Rooney's only lost one match as Derby manager. I think they just won 4-0 today. So it would be a chance for Phil Jones to rejuvenate his career under England's next great up-and-coming manager. I had no idea that Wayne Rooney was so successful. They, so they're in promotion range? Oh, God, no. They're uh, just above relegation. Wait, did you that's, say that's why? That's oh, why you said they're winless. Right no, no, they've won every game. They fired their other manager. They didn't uh, go into the season thinking Wayne Rooney would be the one to solve their problems. They, uh, he was officially like an assistant manager, but he was playing. They fired their manager, so now he's interim manager. But I don't think he technically has his badges, so he has to have like a staff with him. But he is the like he's on the suit. He's in the suit on the sidelines scowling doing managerial stuff and they've only lost one match a lot of draws but they're out of the relegation zone i think phil jones could help keep them in the championship they need to like get into europe so they can play napoli and we can see Catuso and rooney face off as managers oh my god just like getting a fist fight on the sidelines the two like <laughs> the two guys you wouldn't expect to <laughs> to get into it Christensen seems like Newcastle material. I don't necessarily, I don't really want him to come, but it seems like the kind of signing Newcastle would make just like a, a fringes player from one of the top four. Yeah. Uh, Newcastle would be better served with uh, Fikeo Tomori. Fikeo Tomori put in a great handful of games last season and he hasn't seen the pitch more than one substitution in a cup match. I have no idea what he's doing doing in training that keeps him off the field when we keep fielding Rudiger and Christensen in, in rotational roles. Because he spurned Canada. That's why. That is, that has got to be why Frank Lampard is punishing <laughs> him for not committing to Canada instead of England. That may be it. Uh, sorry, go on there. Go on there, Adrian. I just want to jump in because you mentioned some Chelsea players. Oh, no, thanks. It gave me a little time to think about it because it's really hard to think about who I would like to see come into Newcastle. It's just the whole Ashley ownership reign has been so disheartening. It's like, I mean, the biggest change I would like to see, it's obviously not going to come in January, is Ashley out. Uh, controversial for a Newcastle fan to say, I know, but that's what I would like because there needs to be some like really big structural changes at the club, especially because um, Newcastle since Bruce has gotten in, they've spent about 70 million uh, and they have uh, got 30 million from the Perez. So they've only net spent like, I think like 40 million, which is more than they did for, uh, for Rafa. So 
I mean, that's a whole Joe Linton of, uh, of net spend. That's, that's all they effectively spent money on was Joe Linton. So, I mean, yeah, the, the number one thing I would want is, is Ashley out in terms of players that might be available. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, when I look at Newcastle's team, I'm like, I mean, there's a bunch of players that I like. I mean, like, on a, like personally, I like the long staff kid. I think Callum Wilson's yeah. a great player. Like, I'm like, I wanted Callum Wilson at Chelsea. I love Callum Wilson. Honestly, um, I'm surprised Spurs or Chelsea or like one of those clubs didn't pick him up as like uh, a number two. Maybe, maybe he just didn't want that. But he he's been excellent, except for his injuries. He's he's really good uh, player. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Like you said, with the uh, you want the new ownership coming in, and I think last week uh richard richard your brother was on and he was talking about all these players that he likes on newcastle um but you know when when the opportunity for if if there is a big takeover or even a small takeover when the opportunity to rebuild is is a real thing for a club especially at one at the size of newcastle you really don't know what to expect like no one is expendable at that point yeah definitely and you know i i think it is true like newcastle have a lot of decent players uh I think with some organization, they can, they could do all right. They could get a mid table finish and then build from there, especially now that they have someone who's reliably able to score goals. Maybe if I can go the opposite of Nick, I don't want to see Joe Linton out because I mean, I was hoping for a long time. He'd be okay. I think he's been relatively okay, but he's still just not good. So, I mean, take the loss, ship him out. I was Googling uh, free agents, like free agent 11, see who's available. As of October, this article, just one of the first that came up, Hatem Ben Arfa was available. <laughs> Screw it. Get, <laughs> get Ben Arfa back. He has some not go amazing backwards? goals for the club. He like dribbled through all of Blackburn. He dribbled through all of Bolton. That'll be important when we get relegated to the championship. <laughs> so, <laughs> so... Like, honestly, I would love to see Ben Arfa back. That'd be amazing. We'd have, like, two dribblers once, you know, fingers crossed that, knock on wood, ASM recovers from COVID. I like where you're going with this, Adrian. And let's not stop at Ben Arfa. I want Johan Kabai back. I want Jonas Gutierrez back. I want Fabrizio Colaccini back. And work your way back out of the championship and back to the Premier League yeah, just we, in time for Ashley to get we it. We already got Andy Carroll. We're on our way. <laughs> um, if I can jump in and just talk about uh, transfers maybe for uh, for Chelsea that I want to... I don't even know if I want transfers for Chelsea because they've spent so much money at this point already. It seems like all the pressure is just on Lampard to get it right. But the one transfer that's always always in the papers and like in the in the sky for Chelsea is like for some reason they really want to bring in Declan Rice uh and like I'm not so hot on it just because Lampard really wants to play a 4-3-3 with just Conte as a holding midfielder um and if you bring in Declan Rice who's been starting week in week out for for West Ham United where is he going to fit in Chelsea like is he just going to like supplant uh N'Golo Conte's position and then we're just riding with Declan Rice and Ma- Mason Mount and Kai Havertz who has actually been taken out of the team uh, was wasn't a starter for the past couple games because he's been so poor um it just seems like such a such a nonsense 
transfer for Chelsea that's out there that I just don't want to see. Like Chelsea are struggling with, with like chance creation and with finishing right now. And they want to bring in a holding midfielder. Like that's going to solve everything. I mean, it, we're, we're losing the battle in midfield. Absolutely. But Declan Rice, come on, give me, give me someone maybe creative so we can change formation or try something different. I think I feel like every time I watch them play, we play with two defenders at the back. Our fullbacks are up with the wingers. Just beat, get beat on the counter every time. I don't know about who I'd want to see in. That's a player that I don't want to see come into us right now. There was Maybe. a shot. There was a shot at the end of the Chelsea West Ham game a few weeks ago. Maybe it was a few days ago. There's so many games, I forget. But it was just Mount and Declan Rice having this long conversation as they walked off the field and into the tunnel together. So, and and they're best friends apparently off the field. So, I mean, you know, it might be in the works. There is absolutely no secret that Declan Rice used to be a Chelsea youth player. Like he is best friends with Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham. They go on vacation together all the time. Like there's got to be some substance to these rumors. I just, you know, as a, as a fan that wants to see them like with so many opportunities to break through, like he, he's not the player that you want to bring in right now. Maybe Tom Cleverly is available. <laughs> Maybe Tom Cleverly. I'm going to, I just want to throw this one I'm out there. I'm sure he is. <laughs> if, if available and Chelsea really want, the potential, the potential for like a dynamic uh, attacking option. And Paul Pogba really doesn't want to go out <laughs> and really Paul Pogba really wants out. Like Chelsea have the money to burn on, on a high potential project like Paul Pogba. I know Manchester United have been banking on him reaching his potential for the past five seasons but I think he can really, I think he can really get there when he, if he moves to London, lives in a, is in a, in a nice condo surrounded by all the TikTok models and cameras that he could get. I think it's a, that's a career changing move for both him and for Chelsea. If all things go as planned. I hate to say I could actually see that working. And like I said, last time I was on, I'd obviously, I'd rather keep Pogba in the team, even if he's not starting, even if he's not performing. He's a good – he was okay today, I guess, but he was a good player to have. I would die a bit inside if he went to Chelsea and succeeded, and I could actually see that happening. That's good. So we'll have to see how this all turns out in January, if Pogba's going to make a dramatic Premier League – inter-Premier League transfer from Man U to Chelsea. Will Phil Jones move down the league to rejoin Wayne Rooney at Derby? Will Zaha stay and will Newcastle be able to rebuild their championship wing side? (laughs) Uh, We'll have to wait uh, for a few days. We're going to be back in January to make a lot of fun predictions and review some of the transfers. Uh, Thanks for listening and see you in 2021.